Saturday, December 23rd. Working on Christmas Eve Eve. It's Chimp. And this is Captain Brunch. I've crawled my way out of the swamp and into the storage closet. I like your festive gear you have on right now. Oh, what festive gear? Exactly. You're not wearing any festive (laughs) gear. (laughs) Yeah, I don't celebrate holidays. You should know this by now. What? What, what? You don't celebrate holidays? No. What holidays did you think I celebrated? Your birthday? That's not a holiday. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. It's an anniversary. Okay, so this is the anniversary of Jesus. (laughs) I'm not even going to get into that discussion. So, um, how's it going, Chimp? Uh, Chimp, did we get any boosts like in the last? Because I feel like we we didn't read something and I'm I'm feeling bad about it. I don't know what you're talking about. Like not in the last week, but how about like in the week before that? Because last week we didn't read any boosts, I don't think, because we were so distracted by having a guest on the show. Sure, a hundred sets for. Uh, can you let us out, out? Can you let us in from outside? Did we not? Did we not read that on the show? I thought we did read that on the show. Uh, hold on. So that's not the one I was talking about. I see Farscapian continuing to um, stream sets, which is always appreciated. Well, yeah. So shout out to Farscapian. Thank you, Derek, for stream permit. Yeah, for supporting. In fact, he boosted ten thousand sets. Thanks for the shout out. Okay, you see, so. Because this is a value for value podcast and tell us more. We are um, available on modern podcast apps, which you can get from podcastapps.com, I think. Uh, podcastapps.com? Yeah, and modern podcastapps.com. And nude podcastapps.com. And new podcastapps.com. So you can get it from all, you, you know, any of the apps that you could find. Well, many of the podcast players you'll find on there have both the live, so that's the live item tag, which people can be listening to us live right now. That's why we call this show Saturday Night Lit because when we go lit, people can listen to us live. And then we also have the value for value built in. So that means that if you're using one of those modern podcast apps, especially one that has the value for value built in, you can send us Satoshis. So that's why we were thanking Derek for streaming those sats into us and also sending us those 10,000 sats. Thank you so much, Derek. It's thank always you, thank appreciated. You, thank you. Yes, the value for value is built in. Yeah, so if you have not boosted us yet, then what the hell are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Yeah, probably a sign. So as I've mentioned on the show previously, I uh, I plan to get a few radio FCC certifications next year. You don't remember? But anyways, I'm not going to talk about that right now. But what I'm going to talk about is I decided to, while I'm on the subject, right? Like if I'm going to be doing those professional certifications, why don't I just go ahead and get my ham license? That I remember. When did I mention that? Several times throughout the last couple of years. I don't think so. I think you're deluding yourself. You well, maybe you, like maybe in personal discussions, but not on the show. You mentioned on the show too. Really? Yep. I mentioned ham on the show. Mm-hmm. Oh man, we're gonna have to somehow have AI go through all the transcripts. Yeah, that we don't have, and figure out where. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so yeah, I'm gonna try to get some of my ham licenses. There are three. <laughs> Starts with the technician and then there's some other one and then there's like a an extra. And what benefit do you think this will bring you? Well, there's actually a so it's funny enough, I was um listening to an episode of Thank God for Noster, um, the twelve twelve, so the December twelfth episode, and it's featuring NVK. 
And so people who listen to the show, they know that I listen to all the Nostra podcasts. And so, you? yes. You still keep up with that? Yes, it's easy because there's not that many. <laughs> <laughs> or they're very short. No, they're, they're definitely not short. They're usually pretty long. Um, they have ads? No, none of them okay. have ads. Um, so NVK was on, the sh- on Thank God for Nostra, and he was basically talking about mesh networks. And it's a really sort of detailed episode. And he talks a lot about what you just asked applications for ham licenses. So he was talking about different protocols and different softwares that you can run that work on the various ham, you know, like frequency bands that are available. So, there are different services. There's communications, you know, so uh, just like that, you know, that infamous clip um, you know, that was featured on the No Agenda show where some like nerdy guys like saying, you know, ham, uh, ham radio is going to save us in the apocalypse or whatever the hell it was that he said, you know, so those kinds of things are the application theoretically. Like if there was a breakdown in the regular telecommunication system, then having a ham setup and then obviously also having power would enable you to communicate with people. So that's, uh, that is the application. That seems pretty useful. I mean, like, I wonder how big the ham community is in South Florida. Well, there's a club and to make a club, you have to have at least four people. And so it's like the Dade radio club or something. So you hope to be number five. Well, no, they have more, they have more than four members, right? But they have to have at least four to get the license for the club. And there's all these, it's, it's interesting because ham, it is very specifically amateur radio. So it's very different from any kind of professional radio. It's like specifically for people to practice communicating with each other. There's all kinds of rules. Like you're not allowed to curse. Oh yeah. So if you're cursing on the ham thing, like they could theoretically fine you or revoke your license. That's terrible. Why would you ever want to join this group? Well, because it's, um, Cause again, like you don't need to curse if like, let's say you wanted to use the amateur radio networks to send a Bitcoin transaction. Hmm. So I was thinking about this the other day. What's the difference between curse and cuss? I've always said curse, but I've heard people say cuss. They probably come from the same origin. I mean, why don't you look up the etymology? Cuss. I don't know. Seems like the word curse has a specific, you know, association with, uh, let's say, trying to uh, affect someone's luck or like their destiny by cursing someone, you know, so aside from like words that are curse words, so to speak, whereas cussing very specifically only, I've only ever associated that word with you know, expletives with inappropriate language. So maybe curse words come, I mean, maybe cuss words come from the idea of cursing and like words that curse people. That's my guess. Well, it seems to be a vulgar pronunciation of curse. Um, As far back as 1775, a troublesome person or animal. Interesting. But then 1815, you have it being used as say bad words, use profane language. And then think about like this phrase, like, oh, you got cussed out. 
The loss of R or S, the, the loss of R before S is not uncommon. Compare arse slash ass. Yeah. Burst, bust, horse, hus. Hus, the fuck? Barse, boss, garshka. Okay, anyway. Oh, hus, like hussar, maybe. Or parcel, parcel. Passel, passel, passel. It's funny how words change. It is indeed. Maybe interesting. It's not always funny. So how much, I, I, when I see ham radio setups, it's usually a lot of equipment. So where, so do you have space for all this equipment? It depends though. Cause I mean, you can run ham with just like a handheld radio. There's all these different, it depends on what you're trying to do. You don't need an antenna? A handheld radio can have an antenna in it. Depends on like what frequency. So there are several different bands that you can work in. When I lived in the, the old house, there was definitely a, a, one house a few blocks down that had a giant freaking dish, like specifically for radio. A dish? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't think so then. I don't think that was for radio. I think dishes is not for radio. But it was different than than your, you know, direct TV or whatever. It was, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, uh, you know, I have a lot to learn, a lot to learn. And I think there's going to be a lot of uh, cross applicability with Bitcoin and decentralization and permissionless censorship resistant networks. Would we be able to broadcast this show on ham or that's not what it's used for? Um, it's, that's not what it's used for. So, so what's, like, what's the main application of ham? To just uh, it's, it's specifically for like practicing ham. It's like for practicing radio. <laughs> I, I'd have to look it up. There's like a very specific and very kind of mundane purpose. So like there might be some way that we could broadcast our show, but I don't think. So it's to practice radio, but we can't play a radio show on there. Yeah. Because it's not, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to learn, right. I'm going to learn. I'm but, losing more and more interest. Yeah. Cause ham is very specifically for, it's just, it's for like people, mm. oh, I'm sorry for people being able to mm. ah, shut the fuck. hate you. Mm. Okay, I'm like adjusting my microphone and chimp is like starting to grab his shit. Microphonics. To th- don't throw the shit at me, chimp. Okay. So anyways, I sent you a link. What I am interested in though is a neon sign that says yeah he was saying a neon sign that says lit i think that'd be kind of cool too so if so anyone wants to donate a sign for us or just boost us some more sats so we can get that sign custom made that'd be fantastic and why would people do that why would people do what podcasts are cool that's why <laughs> so you said you sent me a link all right let's check it out let's see what we got here youtube portable custom neon signs I'm guessing it's going to be at least a few hundred bucks. I think, I think Jay is single-handedly funding the neon sign. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that will be the case. So, um, with so, help from Dirk. So I want to talk a little bit about Noster since we had, uh, Liron on the show last week and we did touch upon it a little bit. So why don't we go ahead and, this was on the podcast Noster for Normies. This episode was featuring featuring a guy called Rabble, and he is um I don't know, I think he was like an early developer for Twitter, so he's kind of like legendary in the the social networking internet space. And so that's why people listen to this guy talk. And then so he was at some Nostrasia or something like that. Yeah, Nostrasia 2023. 
And so this was just something he was talking about. Um, he was talking about Noster ambassadors. I'm, once I hear the clip, I'm going to remember why I played this clip, but I just, it's, uh... I'm not a fan of his shirt. <laughs> hey, this is oh. Lottie again. Um, <laughs> hold on, hold yeah, on. I just want to say, oh my God, come on, man. <laughs> oh, cause now I'm really, it's all coming back to me. So <laughs> this, so this clip actually has n- almost nothing to do with, with, with Nostra. It's oh, mostly has to do with this lady who was asking the questions because I was listening to the Nostrasia talks and this woman was kind of like this social justice warrior woke type. And she sort of felt the need to make a comment or ask a question with every single talk. And I kind of feel like she, she was sort of auto fulfilling some sort of a diversity an equity role, but for the conference for herself, I guess let's go ahead and listen to what she was going to say about Noster. I mean, they might've paid her to be there. So, you know, she could fulfill that quota. I'm really, really happy that you exist and this app exists and this talk happened because my point exactly, (laughs) this is the main thing that I had an issue with when I first joined Nasser. Like, I'm a big fan of emerging technology, especially when it comes to social, and I think decentralized social is the future. But I was just like, because I'm from the music industry, so I was like, how do I get, like, my friends on here? Because this is such a great way to build an audience and monetize directly and all these great things. But, and this is an issue in Web3 as well. Like, the tech is always at the Web forefront three. and not culture. And I think that the things that you care about are the things that the average person cares about, and that's how mass adoption happens, right? Like literally, what do people want? And how do you give it to them in a way that's adjustable, but also that's good for them? What's the question, lady? (laughs) My question for you, number one, is are you looking for like ambassadors or something? Because I'm telling you right now, I will post about this every day on Twitter and Instagram. I think think we do. So, I don't know. I, 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 I... I just thought that was an interesting little... Are you looking for an ambassador? That was literally the question. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Why don't you um, talk to the guy afterwards? <laughs> and the whole thing was she was talking about how she's from the music industry and something, something about Web3. She's like, oh my, like, I don't... I say this at brunch a lot, that people come to Bitcoin from all different walks of life, different points of view, from different interests or different passions. And so that's obviously going to be true for Noster in the long run too. The people are going to come to Noster from all different sorts of walks of life. And so some people are going to come from the completely crypto web three bullshit walk of life and not going to really know anything about value for value, about podcasting, about, um, there's a podcasting conference. No, right. It's a Noster conference. And so that's, that's going to bring up something that I'm going to talk about in just a minute, but let me send you another, um, well, my thing is that she literally just talked about herself the whole time. That it was it was couched as I mentioned, in a, as I mentioned diversity and equity. <laughs> um, why don't you go ahead and let's play the second clip. Um, French, let me ask you a question. You know, first let me tell you about my backstory. Then I'll ask you what, what you have. This for is breakfast so common today. at these kind of conferences. Everyone's like trying to talk themselves up because they, they want like their question to reveal how valuable. Oh my God. That person sounds cool. I want to go talk to him after this. Mm-hmm. Jackass important thing that perhaps gets a bit overlooked because we are super excited about this technology and we are convinced that people are going to to, to love it. So this was a different talk. The fast and direct monetization of Nostr. This is a different talk. 
But um, I called this Nostra Ambassadors too, so I feel like we're going to hear that lady or that person. Excuse me. Let me not misgender them. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> watch out. Watch out. Go ahead. But I do want to read what they have on the screen. What can we do to attract creators? Spread the word outside of the network. Create products that cater to diverse audiences. Improve onboarding, search, and discoverability. Best in class moderation tools. Moderation tools. Yeah. Don't be complacent. Stay hungry. But the, Stay foolish. The important thing is that first, there's the title, is that creators, right? And so let's, let's go ahead. If they are going to, to, to see the value proposition instantly. But I think we, we need to go outside of Noster and spread the word. So in Rubble's talk, they, they were talking about uh, Noster ambassadors. And I think it's a great idea that uh, and we need them. We need um, all kinds of uh, Noster content outside of Noster. Uh, we need to tell people how to create an account, how to use uh, the apps, and create a, a lot of promotional and educational material for people outside of our bubble. I also think that we need to create um, an experiment and try things and create pro uh, products that are for very different and diverse audiences. One of the, um, the things that we have to take into account as well is the onboarding experience. Um, not okay. many apps I have uh... onboarding. All right. So, I mean, again, I, I, my intention was to bring these things up last week. So I'm just kind of forcing out of the way to be able to say that I did it. So, um, yeah, I don't know if there's that too much I want to say about that other than like, as usual, I'm very uh, bullish on Noster, but I don't think it's ready. And I think that the idea that we need Noster ambassadors or that we need to be posting about Noster outside of Noster is just it's just kind of dumb to me. And it just seems like people are not being self-aware. It's like just chill the fuck out people like build a better thing and people are going to talk about it. Like you don't need to say we need to talk about it. Like people are going to talk about it if they like it and if they're using it. And this is like a cart before the horse thing and yeah. all of that to finally, to finally ask you, you build it, they will come. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like, or have you noticed perhaps sort of like an unspoken or even a spoken rivalry between Noster development and podcasting 2.0 development? I mean, yeah, from what I hear on the Podcasting 2.0 podcast, but I really don't know if not sure people even know too much about it. Yeah, but see, that's the this is one of those things, right? So just like I was saying a minute ago, I mean, if it's good enough, right? Like eventually they will know about it. And then I think that, you know, maybe like Nostra in some cases, but perhaps unlike Nostra in most cases, I feel as though Podcasting 2.0 is creating products that people are becoming... Uh, very passionate about, but also that have already within them, like the potential for being catchy, for being, um, what's the word? Like scaling, right? Whereas I don't think Noster can scale yet. Noster is not ready to scale. It doesn't have the sort of underlying organization, whereas I think podcasting does. But what is Noster creating exactly? From It sounds to me, it's just like a kind of a chat or like a low level social network versus podcasting was already established. It's just putting some, putting a new, like an upgrade to what's under the hood for podcasting. Yes. And I think that's why, that's why I think podcasting 2.0 has a lot of scaling and adoption potential. And why would there even be a rivalry just because they're both using lightning? Well, I think part of the rivalry is that the, the, 
creator of Noster, Fiat Jaff, doesn't like RSS. And so we, have, so we have to take them out. No. I think there just needs to be more discussion because so the issue is that if they're not working together and coalescing, which is what ultimately should be happening between Noster and Podcasting 2.0, then that means that they're just going to be creating friction between each other. You know, like if 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 Noster people aren't saying to themselves, at least some of them, like, hey, you know, how do we integrate podcasts right into Noster? Like, that's not a discussion that I hear people having. The discussions are just more about like, ah, well, you know, Noster does this and we do it that way. Or, oh, you know, like Noster is Noster. I don't know. It's just. It sounds like in order to make ourselves more useful or more valuable, we have to destroy the other the other solution that was already there. <laughs> yeah, the maybe. The alternative. Yeah, because you see, like, there are certain technical choices that I think are made, both within podcasting and within Noster, that are sort of, um, that are centralizing and that are limiting and that are barriers to entry. So the, the, the phrases that, I, that come to my head, and I don't really know what they mean, are ActivityPub, JSON, um, and RSS, like, I kind of know what RSS is, but I don't really know what JSON is. I don't know what ActivityPub is, but I know that you, you usually pick one or the other. Like either you do JSON or you do ActivityPub, something like that, right? And so I feel like Noster picked one of them and Podcasting 2.0 picked the other one. And then that's, I feel like, one of the sources of this conflict. No, no. It's just like different ways of performing an action. Like Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like different, but, but, but non-necessarily compatible ways no i mean it depends on, on on what's what's getting done though like because podcasting 2.0 takes advantage of both activity pub and json files like json is just it's just um a way to store information it's 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 like an advanced text file uh-huh yeah i mean everything's an advanced text file yeah I, I, like, like the I chapter said, files I like the chapter files for um you know for for, for podcasts are in json yeah. Well, I don't know. This, this things need to be addressed at some point, and I need to learn a lot more. Yeah, fucking Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> I still. But like he does it. have a sticker that says "Cry Harder," which is funny. So six months ago, uh, we were discussing Pleb Day with Roz, and uh, and it was interesting because at Pleb Day we had a presentation on accounting. And the funny thing is that you know I was so busy playing host that I didn't really attend any of the presentations. But the reason I bring it up is because now that I'm starting a nonprofit organization, I've had to find a Bitcoin accountant so that he can handle or they, they could handle the big, you know, the Bitcoin accounting stuff. So that's just kind of funny that I was listening to that episode and that whole thing kind of came up. Pleb day. Yeah. Pleb day. Hopefully I want to redo a pleb day maybe in March. So, um, I'm sending you another clip. No, this if was. You're not in in New York. I don't think that. I mean, like they haven't made any plans, <laughs> and I'm supposed to be going in January supposedly. So it just seems unlikely that that's going to happen. If it does, whatever. But speaking of, are you still going to do your um your the the beach thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my friend, uh, our friend, hit me up earlier uh, to ask. If I was doing anything. Yeah. So if anyone cares, I'm going to the beach next week. You can come to the beach too. Just hit me up and I'll tell you where. So I sent you a clip from live from Bitcoin beach. 
And this is Francis Puglio, who is, I don't know, like the founder of some oh, bull Bitcoin, right? But he's, um, he's actually on this show talking about Bitcoin jungle, which is in like, I think it's in Guatemala, maybe Costa Rica. It's not in El Salvador, but he's in El Salvador talking to the founder of Bitcoin beach about this project. And I just wanted to include this one little clip that I thought was interesting. And I wanted to talk about this one little thing that I had clipped. I, uh, I'm not going to endorse custodial wallets. Uh, however, I do understand that, uh, uh, it's th there, there is a way that you can do it. And that also has to do with, um, you know, there's now his shirt is cool. <laughs> there's a trust component. So in, at the community level, um, the Bitcoin jungle guys, um, the, f the founders of Bitcoin Jungle, I mean, I, I kind of like retroactively considered myself, I'm not a founder, but I'm, I'm part of the team, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a very uh, flat organization in the sense that there, there is no such thing as like the Bitcoin Jungle Corp corporation. Uh, I mean, there, there is one because we're publishing an app on the app store and like, you need like a, a corporation yeah. to yeah. do that. But apart, apart from, from that technicality, like there is, there's no one in charge. Like, I mean, that's basically a Bitcoin beach is too. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. grassroots. There's yeah. no official like. It, it's, it's very grassroots. So, you know, it's it's pretty much, uh, the organization is pretty much a WhatsApp group of, of people who are um, trying to contribute in any way they can. And uh, it, it ended up being, uh, yeah. So, so, so these guys in 2021, early 2021, um, based on. All right. So, I mean, it's in Costa Rica. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I guess what I, <laughs> a couple of reasons why I think I included that clip. First of all, I thought it was kind of funny that I think he kind of contradicts himself a few times. And that's, uh, he says like, there is no Bitcoin jungle corporation, but then he says, well, but I mean, except for the one that we had to create for the app. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not, I didn't clip it for the purpose of trying to like call him out on that. I found, I did find that kind of funny that within the same breath, he, <laughs> he, he said that, but I really bring it up because it's sort of this conflict, this internal conflict that I've been dealing with in regards to Bitcoin brunch. And then now the formation of the time chain foundation is, you know, Bitcoin brunch has always been this informal thing. And it's very deliberately been this informal thing because I don't want to have responsibilities. You know, I don't want to have, people being able to come up to beans, come up to me and say like, Hey, like, you know, you're, you're responsible for this and you have to do that. And like, it's, I always wanted it to be voluntary. I always wanted it to be something that I did out of passion and out of my own interest. Whereas the time chain foundation isn't, I mean, it's, it is also comes from a lot of that, but there's definitely a hope that it's going to be like more structured, right? Like I want time chain foundation to be much more a reflection of my Bitcoin values than maybe the kind of conversations that people might have at Bitcoin brunch, right? Like I don't curate that. I don't control that. So like Bitcoin brunch is this sort of free flowing, open bohemian, whatever the hell you want to call it. But the time chain foundation is going to have like a very specific focus and to achieve a specific focus, like you can't, we can't put up with bullshit, right? <laughs> like we're not going to, it's not going to be like an open door sort of thing like Bitcoin brunch. It's going to be more of a, like we go out and, and, and like put, spread our tentacles. <laughs> so you're going to need moderation tools. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, I just mentioned it to the two other uh, directors, potential directors, once we have this thing up and running about, I think it would be cool since we were talking about Noster to implement a Noster relay for the time chain foundation and for Bitcoin brunch 
And then people could, it would, the, this relay would basically be the chat room or the message board or the forum for like, there would be one for Bitcoin brunch and there would be like another one for time chain foundation. And then there would be a web app, a progressive web app that people could then use to create an account and log in to use it if they don't already use Noster. But if they already use Noster, then they could just log in with their NPUB. And so the idea is I, I want to, but it's very important to me that this is usable by, let's say like the average user, you know, so it's, it's gotta be pretty, it's gotta have a really good user interface. Um, and I don't think anything like that exists right now. So, uh, I already said that it, maybe it's a potential hackathon, uh, you know, project cause it, it, cause if we could make it work, then it's the kind of thing that could be implemented by other communities. And so that they could have this onboarding process where they've got this, this chat room, this bulletin board that sort of, you know, it is, I mean, it's not decentralized in the sense that like we have the relay, right? Like it's our relay, but it's our community. So why shouldn't we have the relay? But you control your NPUB, you control your signature and your private keys. And so if for whatever reason we decided to censor you or to kick you out from our relay, you could take your identity with you. There's nothing wrong with that, right? So I think this is the compromise that satisfies both worlds. And then when we implement that or when I'm able to implement that for Bitcoin brunch, I'm definitely going to be closing down the Bitcoin brunch telegram chat. I'm, I'm not going to close it. I'm going to convert it to a message, like a, a read only that I will archived. Yeah. Well, no, I'm going to post like, you know, mess like I will put updates on that that people could read, but no one can type, you know, like just maybe whatever. So you get what I'm saying. Yeah. You can't post to it. Yeah. All right. I'm glad I got to get all of that out of the way. <laughs> Wow. 2024 is going to be interesting. Oh my God. I don't even know because like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm going to assume that we're not going to do very well in terms of fundraising. Uh, but I'm going to try to like surprise myself. Yeah. I really want to surprise myself because if we could raise some good money, then we could do some really fun, interesting things. I've got a lot of ideas for projects. Yeah. Go to some conferences. You can go to uh, oh god, that too. But that's, that's the thing jungle. is like for us to be able to, to, to spend the organizational money on things like that, we're going to have to raise a lot of money first. You know, like we're going to have to raise because look, Bitcoin Freedom Festival, January 18 to 20. <laughs> Bitcoin jungle. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to. And you know, the thing is first we have to find the ways that we can, that we can bring value to the Bitcoin community. And then once we have found those ways and we start to build those ways up and we start to deliver then I will feel comfortable saying, okay, we're delivering now. We can, uh, like, as the people who did all of this, we can start to, it, I'm going to say, I don't want to use the word enrich, but I have to use the word enrich, right? Like I want to uh, culturally and experientially enrich the people who are participating. Um, you know, so being able to go to a conference and talk about what we've done, or really my main thing is I want to throw the time chain vortex, which, you know, you want to put value in people's lives. Yeah, exactly. But, but also like meeting people. Cause that's the funny thing, right? Like meeting people and uh, making more connections creates further opportunities, right? So there is like this balancing act you have to do. The more people, you know, then the more you can get done when you have ideas that require knowing people. Right. So it's, it's strange because I mean, I, I don't like playing all these games, but it's fun to like affect the world and to change the world around me. 
<laughs> you have to get out of your shell. Yeah, that's for sure. So I, uh, it's not a new phone case. I see that. No, it's just a different one. Like I have two. Oh, I like the red. Yeah, it's pretty maroon. cool with that little yellow in the, it's, it's, it's a nice phone case. Good choice. Good design choice. On my Pixel 8. Fancy. I hate you, Google. Fancy. So it's not really a, a New Year's resolution, but I kind of been asking myself because, you know, I've been using credit and my credit's good. Like my, my score keeps going up like steadily over time. I'm on my way to 800. Woo! I mean, not anytime soon, but maybe. I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, so I'm, I'm asking myself, like, can I stop? buying things on credit and and actually try to start buying things with Bitcoin to get sats back because the fold card has become more or less unusable for me. And most of the other ways that people get the sats back is by buying things with Bitcoin. So it'll be like buying gift cards. So like theoretically I could buy, you know, an Amazon gift card and then I could get some percentage sats back if I bought an Amazon gift card, but that would mean not paying for the Amazon stuff with the Amazon credit card. So, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. It's something that I'm going to definitely be thinking about next year because it's just too easy to buy stuff on financing and then have to give up that money in the future and be like, fuck, I wish I didn't like, I mean, I don't regret this. is The thing is I don't regret the things I buy. I just regret the fact that I still have to pay for them after I already have them in my hands. <laughs> is that how it works? Panda says, get the Gemini credit card. Have you looked into that? No, I'm not getting a Gemini account, but uh, maybe. No, I doubt it. Um, he also said, I don't know if closing the brunch chat is a good idea. And I told him you hate Telegram. No, I'm not going to close the brunch chat, but I'm just going to turn it into like a, a post. Like, you know, I'm going to be able to post. And so I will post like, let's say I'm not going to close it. I'm just going to kick everybody out. No, no. Everyone <laughs> will still be in there. <laughs> everyone will still be in there, but they're just gonna like, I'll post once a week to remind everyone about brunch or maybe, you know, like I will post things and people can read it, but that's it. <laughs> Cause I'm just tired of all the bullshit. Like it's just people take advantage and, uh, but I'm, I'm also, but I, I don't want to be at that chat long ago. Oh a lot of people do. And that's okay. <laughs> ah. Ah, so let's uh, move on to other topics. You want to hit that 800 credit score. If you use your cards left, so you're not going to hit it unless you finance a car or a house. That's, that's really that. And just having credit for a long time. I mean, I've had credit for a while. I think the one big thing is I have to pay off my student loans. I think that will help. Uh, it'll probably help like 30 points over the course of, let's say, half a year. Like, if I pay off the student loans, probably six months later, my score will be 30 points higher. But uh, in, in the end, I think it's just time. Like, you know, on the order of, like, 40 years, 30 years. Yeah, but people get pretty good credit scores in, like, two years if they, if they you know, follow a very strict set of, of actions. Like, I am not following a very strict set of actions. Fine shit. Yeah, I'm just, I mean, I don't, again, I don't regret it. Like, I'm I'm happy with the stuff I have. <laughs> I just, and I, I'm kind of reaching a point where I don't really, I don't really, like, want for anything else. Like, in terms of my professional life, I've got pretty much everything I need on my day-to-day. -day. So, there's just always more stuff, obviously, to want. I'll get it under control someday. What are you looking for? Tissue. A tissue. A 
thought I had another napkin. I guess I must have used it. I used all of them. Fuck. For the smallest little thing. Uh, you know, I'm like a little bit sick and like, I'm just trying to survive this podcast. So if you're, uh, if you're sick, why would you go out and spread it to people? Cause fuck those. Uh, what? I'm sorry. I got to stop cursing. I'm being oh so, so negative and aggressive and angry and God. gritty. You can't do fundraising if you're negative and aggressive. Right. So my next topic is the war in Ukraine artificially bottlenecks energy supply. Maybe this has been about keeping oil prices up. So one of my theories about the war in Ukraine has been that the United States and Russia are colluding to screw the European Union. Why would they do that? Well, this may be the reason is because by creating this sort of like divide where suddenly everyone west of this line cannot buy oil from Russia and everyone east of this line cannot buy oil from the United States or Europe. <coughs> I'm going to stop breathing. I think it just makes, uh, if I pass out, you know why oil more expensive for everyone. So that just seems kind of an interesting thing that I had not thought of before. It's like a tingly nose in my feeling in my nose. Yeah. Then I had a, I had an interesting question that I, I'm sure some other people have thought of this before, but why is Vladimir Zelensky always dressed like a loser? He's always wearing some stupid sweater. Or he's always dressed like he's going to the gym. Not even because he's wearing like jeans and a sweater or not even jeans, but like just some sort of slacks and a sweater. And if you, if you Google him, like if you Google him, you will find old pictures of him wearing a suit from before the war. But since the war has started, like the guy will literally show up to the white house, to the Senate, to whatever event where everyone else is dressed in these multi thousand dollar outfits that are really high end chic professional. And then this motherfucker comes in looking like he just came in from the trailer park and What's performative? And I, I wonder what the, what is the performance? Like he, he's trying to demonstrate his desperation. Like we are so poor that right. I cannot afford this suit that I owned three years ago. It was exploded by the Russians. Yeah. I think it's like people may not even consciously notice it. They're like, Oh my God, look at what he's wearing. You know, like we have to help. But the guy's like a billionaire or something at this point. I think like four houses, (laughs) whatever. That's probably not true. That's probably not true. Those are probably all rumors. (laughs) Now it, it does seem though that support for Ukraine has been waning among the elites for a while now. Wouldn't you agree? It seems like it's something that we don't even talk about except uh, like our Congress will just sort of talk about it. They take it for granted that we have to support Ukraine. And other than that, look, we don't even talk about it. But even though I feel like the general public sentiment is kind of like, are we still giving them tens or hundreds of billions of dollars? I still see some people with their flags, Ukrainian flags. But yeah, it's definitely been um, taken over by Israeli flags. Yeah, right. And so, and I have to wonder, like, in both situations, in both the Israel-Ukraine situation, I mean, the Israel-Palestine and the Ukraine-Russia situation, how pissed off must the chicken hawks like Lindsey Graham be that we don't enter these wars? Like we cannot actually send U.S. troops. We cannot go there and like, you know, be America. Like we have to play all these these proxy games. And I wonder if it doesn't kind of piss these people off because I feel like to some extent they they actually relish the idea of Americans going out there and killing people. 
Uh, I don't think it's that intense. I mean, I think, I think we are playing huge roles, and like there is money from the military going into these into these wars. You know, like we don't need boots on the ground. I mean, we have we have boots on the ground. It's just not like people actually well, fighting. Got, we got like two hundred advisors or two thousand exactly, advisors. Yeah. It's so silly. And so finally, so they're still making their money. I mean, yeah, everyone's. They, they wouldn't keep performing if they weren't making their money. That's for sure. They just start selling cars. So the final thing I wanted to, to bring up on this topic was, um, you know, that was highlighted very recently by, I think it was two or three Israeli hostages who had escaped and then they were shot dead by the IDF. And so the question of, and I called it too horrible to consider friendly murder, you know, in the quest for revenge and vengeance and eliminating and destroying Hamas. Like how many of the hostages did the Israelis kill? And does it matter? To me, it kind of matters. Like this is kind of bullshit. Like if you're going to supposedly you're, you're killing Hamas because you're trying to protect and save Israelis, but then you're going to sacrifice the remaining Israelis who are alive and held hostage. It's just, what the hell is the world coming to? It's very strange times. Small price to pay. <laughs> uh, so on the topic of of Jews in Israel, I thought this was kind of a funny and weird headline from Democracy Now. So I sent you a link, and let's just listen to this quick, quick little clip. There's going to be a lot of mutes throughout this podcast. Well, we're almost done. We've only got. 20 minutes left. I won't be dead. 20 minutes. Hours before lawmakers voted Tuesday to confirm Tusk and his government, an extreme right lawmaker used a fire extinguisher to put out the candles on the Polish parliament's Hanukkah menorah, sparking widespread okay, outrage that was it. in Poland. Hanukkah menorah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't think it's respectful, but and you, if you see the video, it's sort of hilarious because it looks like a smoke bomb has gone off. But it's just this, it's just like this guy in a suit, a politician, right? In Hungary or Poland, right? Poland, yeah. The new Polish prime minister, Donald Tusk. Yeah, because he's a far right prime minister. And so someone took a fire hydrant and put out a menorah. It's just, it, it talk about disproportionate. Like you could have blown those candles out. <laughs> he uses a fire hydrant. So I just... I thought that was kind of interesting thing. Oh, it's great symbolism because like you use a fire hydrant in a fire hydrant, a fire extinguisher yeah, in extreme sorry. times, <laughs> extreme times of emergency. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like I wonder, and then is that anti-Semitic? It, it could definitely be interpreted that way. Everything can be interpreted as anti-Semitism these days, but it's also, I think, an interesting statement if all you're trying to say is that Israel is being disproportionate in their response to Hamas. And there's no doubt that Israel's being disproportionate because Israel's goal is to eliminate Hamas and they actually have the power to do that. Whereas regardless, like Hamas may have the worst goal in the world. Like their goal might be to genocide all the Jews, but they do not have it in their power to do that. So regardless of what Hamas may want to do, they're only able to kill supposedly, you know, 1400 Jews or however many Jews it was that or people, I should say, because they weren't all Jews, obviously. There was a lot of foreigners. Israel's like a, a tourist 
destination for a lot of people all over the world. So yeah, I don't know. There's a very disproportionate, like I think more than 15,000, maybe more than 20,000 Palestinians have already been killed. I think they said already the 30,000 Hamas members maybe have already been killed. It's just nuts how many people have died. Interesting times, interesting times. So I've got nothing else to say about that unfortunate, horrible war that, oh, actually I do have one more thing to say. <laughs> Had to do with picking sides. It was like someone saying like, oh, it was it was on uh, a no agenda and they were, they were, it was, someone was writing into the show basically complaining that their daughter was calling them privileged for not picking sides on the Israel Hamas war. Privileged old white men. And all I could think about was I have picked a side. My side is civilians, all of them, because civilians, regardless of what country they're from, Thank fuck. they're equivalent. doesn't matter if they're Palestinian civilians. doesn't matter if they're Israeli civilians. They're all fucked. They all have to pay for it, right? Like they're the ones paying for it. It's not Netanyahu's paying for it. It's not the head of Hamas who's in Egypt or who's in Qatar and probably having really fancy ass dinners with these like sheiks and, and all these other fucking motherfuckers. Like, no, the people are suffering. And that's the side that I'm on. I'm not on Hamas's side or Palestine. I don't, what is Palestine? I don't care what Palestine is. I'm not, I don't have to defend Palestine. I don't have to defend Israel. But as a human being, I feel the need to defend humanity. And we're like losing sight of that. We lose sight of humanity every time we play this game about picking sides. And then the sides that we're proposing to pick from are these invented delusional things. But aren't hostages people too? Civilians, as I said, right? Bring civilians. <laughs> yeah, they are people. That's what I'm saying. So I'm concerned for those people. I'm concerned for those people. And you have to eliminate Hamas so you don't have any more civilians, <laughs> any more um, hostages. I, I just, I, I worry about this, right? Like the, they say the Palestinian, the majority of that population is under 18. So What's going to happen in 10, 20 years when these under 18 people turn, you know, get into their thirties and their forties, a lot of hate. It's going to be a lot of blowback. So, I mean, it's just, it's just messed up. So to change topics, let's I go. I would love to see all the tunnels though. If I could just see like a huge, like x-ray or something, just like the map <laughs> of all the tunnels. That'd be pretty cool. That would be, that would be really cool. All right, so let's go to some domestic politics. I've been talking, or I had mentioned some time ago, this like weird phenomena about impromptu press conferences where the politician is like just leaving the chamber and then they get surrounded by all of these press people with their cell phones, just like, sh you know, shoving their cell phones as far into the face of the politician as they can get. This is not quite that, but this is such a perfect example of what I imagine the audio must sound like for most of those recordings. So why don't you go ahead and let's play some of this clip. Oh. This is, this was a Hunter, I think this was Hunter Biden press conference. Can't fucking hear him. <laughs> so this guy is standing at a podium. And this is the audio. 
<laughs> this is the uh, this is the C-SPAN audio. This was the best audio they could get for the Hunter Biden. It's somebody's phone. <laughs> it's so horrible. Uh, so yeah, there was really nothing else to, about that clip. I just really wanted to highlight like how bad most of the audio must Compilation be. Compilation of clips from today. Yeah, there was other. There was a whole bunch of other stuff on that thing. Um, the only thing I wanted to say about the Hunter Biden press conference about. So he did not testify in front of the house. And the reason was that the house was asking him to testify in a private session. And he said he would only testify in a public session. And if I give the house, the benefit of the doubt, which I shouldn't, but for the sake of our entertainment, I will. I have to wonder if the reason they want to do it in private is because in private, they will be able to discuss classified material in a way that they cannot do if it's a public meeting. So there's all kinds of stuff about the Hunter Biden laptops and this and that, that they would not be allowed to say in front of Hunter. Like there's, you know, it's like all about like not upsetting the masters who give you your clearance. So I just wonder. I mean, would it matter? I mean, so, I mean, if, if, if that's the case, then, then they actually care about um, somehow taking down Hunter or, or Joe or, or having them like pay for something. Yeah. So, I mean, I think in, if they, if the purpose of the hearing is to try to get evidence to like move and investigate like a congressional investigation forward. Right. Then none of that stuff needs to be public. All that needs to happen is that for them to get enough information to like give it to a prosecutor or to like find the right people to subpoena or to find the right documents. It would have been done already. Well, maybe because it depends like it might. I don't know. The whole thing is kind of a theater to me. So it's all kind of a theater. All right. The last thing I want to do on politics. I got one final. Now, this is like a totally different kind of clip. Now, this is from. Uh oh. Uh oh. Okay. So I was watching Jeffrey Tucker, who is a libertarian Austrian economist uh, who I've known about for a long time. And I agree with a lot of what he says. I find him very, very thoughtful, very reasonable. And at the Porcupine Festival, this year, he claims in a like an hour long kind of presentation that he did that the United States actually experienced a coup. And he said it was an administrative coup that was done right under Donald Trump's nose. And basically, the, the crux of the matter is that there was a press conference early on during the COVID pandemic before they even called it a pandemic like really early on and they were just starting to create these you know these recommendations and the mandates so to speak and essentially the recommendation that's being made by the administration Trump doesn't realize it is to close all public venues but Trump doesn't understand that that's what that's what, that's what the recommendation is because he doesn't read anything. He doesn't, you know, the guy's a fucking dunce. So he's just there trying to be the hero, trying to be the, you know, like I'm the president. And so let's play this clip because 
essentially what's going to happen is Trump, you know, they're going to be asked about this. Like, so are you guys saying that, you know, you want to close everything? And then Trump's like, no, no. And then, but, but then Deborah Burks and, and Anthony Fauci kind of, so let's just, let's just play this clip. The question about the sort of underlying public health strategy behind some of these guidelines, telling people to avoid restaurants and bars is a different thing than saying that bars and restaurants should shut down over the next 15 days. So why was it seen as being imprudent or not, not necessary to take that additional step, offer that additional guidance? Well, I think we have to say the data okay, so, has been coming out and I'm sure you're all. I mean, so the the question again he, he the, the question that he's asking is he's suggesting that they have not that the government did not tell them to shut everything down he's saying oh you recommend for us not to get together but you guys didn't go as far as to to recommend closing everything down and i here comes deborah burks to the thing is she is spineless so she's not willing to come out and fully say like oh, no actually we did recommend that we do recommend to shut down everything she's not going to say that so listen to the way she jumps around the question and then fauci's going to come in save the day and that is the coup oh and so, so i'm sorry but there's like so much context to give so like when trump moves on to like give this to deborah burks the guy completely stops paying attention and he starts looking at the audience and starts like exchanging glances to people and, and, you know, like whispering to someone. So, so Trump is not even paying attention to what's going on right now. He's being asked, why didn't you guys decide to close everything down? And instead of listening to why they decided not to close everything down, he's going to not listen to why they decided to close everything down. So <laughs> I'd rather listen to the clip. Yeah, okay. Shut up. And Play the fucking clip. I hate and you. Then listen to the clip again. Okay. Thank you. I think we have to say the data that has been coming out, and I'm sure you're all up to the date, up to date on how long the virus lives on hard surfaces, and that has Which been our concern over the last two weeks. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Good. I just wanted to. Yeah, right. Like hours. <laughs> I definitely remember this this conference though. Read. There's a there's a there's an answer to this. Oh yeah. <laughs> You see, there is an answer to this. my mentor, so I'm going to have to let him He's my mentor. The small print here. Here we go. Really small print. And it's interesting because before he even walks up to the podium, he's talking and he sounds very loud. So he's already As if he was mic He's already mic'd up. The small print. Right there, he's like a whole body away <laughs> yeah, from the fucking thing. Yeah, he's not on the at the podium. I mean, or it's Here, not a podium. It's, it's a really small else. print. In states with evidence of community transmission, Which is bars, all restaurants, food courts, gyms, and other indoor and outdoor venues where groups of people congregate should be closed. So, Mr. President, okay. are you telling And he walked away with such... Because you're watching the video, bravado, right? So Chip like, is watching the video. And That's you see it. That, and Trump isn't paying attention. So j- rewind it just a few seconds to just play <laughs> Anthony Fauci talking against Anthony Fauci does not bullshit. He says it clear in all states with signs of community trans. Okay, go ahead. Read the fucking memo. <laughs> so I'm going to have to let him speak. The small print here. It's really small print. It's really small. In states with evidence of community transmission, bars, restaurants, food courts, gyms, and other indoor and outdoor venues where groups of people congregate should be closed. So, 
Mr. President, are you telling Mr. President, are you telling are you telling governors in those states then to close all their restaurants? Well, we haven't said that yet. We're recommending, but we're all right. That's that's it. So that's the clip. So we haven't said they just said that you fucking moron. Like, don't vote for. I mean, don't vote. Don't vote. If your idea of a better country is to vote for this fucking moron who they. And so Jeffrey Tucker says, and you know, I really admire Jeffrey Tucker. So when he said I had to find this, I had to find this press conference and I had to find this, you know, it took me like 20 minutes to find this because he didn't have, you know, like the video of Jeffrey Tucker was just a video and there wasn't like, oh, and here's the, the link to the thing that he mentioned in the, no. So that was the coup. That was the opportunity that Trump had if he was paying attention to be like, whoa, wait, what? Wait, what? You just sent what out to everyone and then you're telling them that I'm okay with it? And then, but you see, he wasn't paying attention. Oh, we're not saying that. No, that's what he literally just said. I think it's more likely that that he was talking with other people to not do that. So, like, like, like you said. Ooh, it's, Trump? Yeah. Yeah, but again, so, so it doesn't matter he has, what he was saying. You're right. So it was a coup, but... I don't think that qualifies him as a moron. I, I, I think he no, just, that doesn't qualify. Like that, that, that is a piece of evidence. It's a piece of evidence. I think the fact that in four years he wasn't able to drain the swamp, despite the fact that he entered with a majority. I don't know. It's just. And I then, mean, they definitely had the upper hand on him for sure. He wasn't expecting that. <laughs> and then, he, but, and then it was too late. And then by then, like they completely just manipulated the hell out of him. And then you got operation warp speed and you got the MRNA vaccine and he'll never take it back. He can't, his ego is too big, too big. Oh yeah. It's a panda coming into the chat room saying COVID was a psyop. It was absolutely a psyop. And, uh, and we just demonstrated one of the ways that they played that psyop out was through manipulation through within the same minute. Having the administrator say one thing, but having the executive say another, it's like, it's nuts. So this is the, the 1984, <laughs> 1984 world that we live in. It's bizarre. How bizarre. I think it's just like a lack of communication within the departments. Like you're saying, like, like he probably didn't read the memo or maybe they decided not to tell him. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they decided not to tell him. And then they couldn't have gotten any luckier. Maybe they wanted to make him look dumb. I mean, this doesn't take a lot of work with that guy. Oh boy! So Amazon uh, Chase card increased my increased my credit limit. Did I did I mention that like a few weeks ago? You should have mentioned that like earlier when we were talking about your credit right? score. Yeah. So so when I bought that thing, remember I said like I bought that thing, but then I didn't actually have enough credit for it. Well, so instead of canceling the order, they just gave me a lot more credit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. The more you use it, like the more they want. You. Like, oh, here, let's give you more money. Yeah, so they gave me like thousands of dollars more. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> that sucks. I stopped using one card and they dropped it significantly, like a f by a factor of five. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's like you have like you have to use these fucking cards in, in, in order to keep your score up. But I mean, like. So you, it's either you, but you used it less and they dropped your, your, your limit or you'd stopped using it and they dropped stopped your limit. Using it. Oh, okay. So you have to use it, yeah. but you don't have to use it a lot. Like you could just use it for like 20 bucks a month, but no one's going to, no one's going to keep you at a 10 grand uh, credit score. If you're using 10% of that. Are you sure? I'm, are you sure? 
Because you said that you stopped using it. You know, like uh, what is the impact? From what I see, yes. Like not just my experience, but, but you're seeing people who's like having their credit limits dropped when they're using less of it. Correct. <coughs> oh, it's almost over. So did I mention Madison Cunningham before? No, I did though, because maybe to you, I did to you because she did a song called uh, in from Japan that was covered by another guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Madison Cunningham, she oh, I said looked like an old guy, but he's actually like 40. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he was like playing with his dad who is an old guy. So I think Madison Cunningham is very talented. She's very creative singer songwriter and her out her newest album. I'm not going to say it's new, but her and newest. she's here at Bitcoin. Wait, no brunch. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But no, um, she's a. Uh, it's called Re- Revealer, I think is what her album was called. Madison Cunning. Let me look it up real quick. I don't I don't give a lot of music recommendations, but I also don't listen to a lot of new music. So when I come across something that's this impressive, I just really like to share that with people. So she's so young. She was born in 1996. So she's 27. I mean, she's not so young, but that's she's pretty young for just the level of talent that she is. So 2022 Revealer. I think this is... Um, yeah, I mean, at 27, Taylor Swift was way bigger than her. It's not about... <laughs> you, you break my heart. So out of like an 11-song album, I would say like nine of those songs are really, really, really good. And then the other two are like, they're okay. I just don't like them that much. That's very rare. So I would definitely recommend Revealer to anyone who likes kind of singer-songwriter, alt-pop stuff. I remember the days when every song on an album was the best. What? Name a single album that every song on the album was amazing. The Beatles. That's a whole different discussion we're going to have to have. You pick an album, you t- and we'll talk about oh, that next plenty, week. Plenty, no, pick plenty, an plenty. album. Pick one because you said all plenty, of them. You said all plenty. of them are a hit. <laughs> a hit? I didn't say a hit. I mean, you said they were all the best. Yeah. Chimp, I don't know what to do with you. Sgt. Pepper's the only hard club band, anybody? Um, I feel like there's got to be one song on there that I don't like. That's different. You don't like. Uh, let me see. Sergeant Pepper. Now, see. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. That's a great album. Let me see. Where are the tracks of the song? Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. Lucy in the Sky. Getting Better. I don't even know this song, Getting Better. That was actually one of the singles. I got to admit it's getting better. Oh, I definitely know that song. Yeah. It's about, it's about, she's leaving home. It's about beating his wife. Yeah. Now nah, she's leaving home. That, that, that's probably one of my favorites. Like the, that was Paul in his very um, orchestral phase. Such a good song. Um, Lovely Rita. Lovely Rita. Mita made. Lovely Rita. Mita made. Was that? The best. Love that song. Um, I love that album. So they're they're really a lot. Of, almost all the songs are like really really good. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Okay. The Beatles, Sergeant Pepper, Lonely Hearts Club Band. Sergeant, they don't make them like Pepper's that anymore. I know. Lonely Hearts Club Band. They do definitely do not. But Madison Cunningham is just one person, so I'm not going to hold it against her. I bet you if she found three other people who were. One of them was about as talented as her 
and the other two were like half as talented as her, they would be as good as the Beatles. I'll check her out. Yeah. So, oh man. So chimp, well, how are we doing on time? Um, right past the hour. Cause my throat is killing me. So what else do you want to talk about? Nothing. <laughs> <coughs> oh God. My nose is tingling. I'm dying here. <laughs> All right. Take us out of this thing, man. You probably have the same shit everyone else has. And I definitely do. I already got over that. So, so you don't have to worry. You're going to be okay. I'll be fine. All right, we'll be back next week for the New Year's Eve Eve show. You want me to work on New Year's Eve? Eve? Yes. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, well, we'll figure things out. I'm going to make sure that the uh, that the the affiliates send us some extra lucre to uh, make it worth your while. Uh, I'll take my share in sats. Thank you very much. <laughs> December 23rd, 2023. This is Captain Brunch. And this is Chimp. Wondering if... I don't have anything to say. Well, you all take care. We're coming to you live from the storage closet at Bitcoin Grove. Peace.